KRXO FM and KRXO HD Oklahoma City. KRXO Claremore Tulsa, a product of Tyler Media, reaching over 1 million Oklahomans every week. Now, TotallyTickets.com presents the Franchise Oklahoma City Thunder First Take Postgame Show on 107.7 The Franchise and 107.9 The Franchise Tulsa. Make no bones about it, Thunder fans. It was an embarrassing loss to the Houston Rockets, 123-108. to The Rockets minus former Thunder and superstar Russell Westbrook, and you thought going into it that maybe the Oklahoma City Thunder had somewhat of an edge. Uh, You saw them throughout the exhibitions and the bubble games going back and forth, getting young guys ready, getting all that stuff. And early on, you saw them trying to uh, use their height and their size to their advantage, going to uh, Danilo and, uh, and going to Steven Adams early. But eventually... The Houston Rockets get rolling. Everything starts dropping. The defense for the Thunder starts to weaken, and the next thing you know, they're giving up 40 and 36 points in the second and third quarter onto a blowout loss to the Houston Rockets, 123-108. to well, you want to hear me talk about it the entire time. So let's bring in uh, a couple of guys that were just sitting there and watching every single uh, dribble, every single free throw, Every single bad call, <laughs> I'm kidding. Brady Trantham, uh, Ryan Chapman. Guys, Brady, and, and just to start off with you, what I saw was bad defense. What I saw was the Oklahoma City Thunder get discombobulated after the beginning when other guys couldn't sort of get into it. And then I saw the Houston Rockets do what they do. They start to heat up, and other guys like Jeff Green started to pitch in. Brady? Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, at the very beginning of the game, it was like the Thunder were just taken aback by the fact that the Rockets were just hustling. I mean, this is a Thunder team that we've applauded all season long about doing all the little things correctly, taking every single game during the regular season, all those random Tuesday nights. They took it seriously. They won a lot of games doing that. And it was like they were just shocked that the opposing team in the Houston Rockets we're just like, no, we're going to take this seriously, too, and we're going to try and beat you to every spot on the floor. We're going to try and beat you down on the floor. And, yeah, you guys got a seven-footer in Steven Adams. Our center, P.J. Tucker, is like a buck over 6'5", six, six and yet they still outscored the Thunder in the paint. The, the Rockets just out-hustled, out-gridded, out-everything Oklahoma City today, and the Thunder never had a chance. I know they got it down to 10, like ran like at three or four points during the game in the second, third quarter, later in the fourth quarter. But this game never felt like the Thunder had a chance, guys. And look, we've talked about for the last few days, the Thunder are the least talented team in this series. But still, having said that, a lot of people are still fairly confident the Thunder can have a chance to win this series. Now, it's just one game. I'm not trying to bury the Thunder, but I'm shocked in the way the Thunder lost this game. Having Lou Dort would have helped, but the Rockets also didn't have Russell Westbrook, and the Rockets still ran up and down the floor on them. Ryan, I am i don't know what you were expecting. Game one, I know you and Dylan Buckingham kind of went over it a little bit today, and you were kind of tapping yourself on the back all game. I'm going to ignore all of it, but you were right. And having said all that, I expected the Oklahoma City Thunder to have a little bit better energy going into this game, but we probably should have known a little bit better considering a lot of the players the Thunder are relying on, this is their first foray into the postseason. 
Ryan, real quick, let me get this real quick. If you are interested, uh, get on Twitter and follow Madison Morris. Uh, she is currently waiting for the Zoom meeting to start where they'll talk to Billy and a couple of other players, and we'll get to see some of their thoughts after this loss. And uh, also, uh, after the first segment, uh, John Hamm will join us and uh, kind of get his thoughts on what's going on. So we're not holding back uh, all of the Franchise Thunder insiders. Ryan did a hell of a job today filling in for me with Dylan and Kelly. Yeah, I mean, gloat. Brother, I heard you talking about a gloat. Look, guys, I'm going to be honest with you. I was thinking Houston in five, and I backed off it with the Westbrook injuries. I should have just doubled down and said Houston sweep, right? No, I mean, it's going to be a long series. We know this. The Thunder know this. They're a franchise that historically has been fine after just getting smashed in game one of a series. So it's no funeral or anything like that, but the concerning thing is not... Steven Adams' play, Daniel Gallinari. It's not anything of Houston played in a manner which forced those guys out of the game. I thought they played fine. What really killed Oklahoma City was the play of Chris Paul, the play of Dennis Schroeder, the play of Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who was anonymous for large portions of this game. If Oklahoma City is going to succeed, that is, you know, that's the three guard lineup. That's the small ball lineup that OKC was, you know, killing everyone with in the regular season. That's going to have to be the lineup that shows up and shows out in this playoffs. It doesn't matter if you are playing Houston, who wants to play small. It doesn't matter if the if the Thunder regroup, get out of this series, and go on to play the Lakers or something like that. Those are the guys that are going to get OKC where they want to go in this postseason. And all three of them, Chris Paul, I think, played a lot better down the stretch. He, he kind of got it going a little bit, but it was too little too late, and, and it's just concerning that it's the core of this team that has played well all season, the three guards that kind of led Oklahoma City down this evening. Bertie, before uh, you go real quick, I want to throw out some stuff. Houston, no one played like Donovan Mitchell, or no one played like uh, Damian Lillard. No one had 61. Nobody had 50 set. Like, no one played out of their minds. As a matter of fact, I want to go over some stuff with you guys real quick. As far as field goal percentage, Thunder shot 44%. The Rockets shot 48 that's not as big of a disparity as you would think in this game. You look at rebounds. They out-rebounded the Rockets, the Thunder did, by 10, 46-36, including seven offensive rebounds. I don't know. How about the uh, every call Houston was getting? They were getting all the calls, right? Sorry, guys. Uh, they were 17 of 19. Yeah, they shot damn near 90%. But the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder went to the line 25 times and shot 84%. So you put all that together. Brady, if I told you that before the game, you're like, man, oh, man, I don't know who squeaked it out, but somebody won a close game, wouldn't you think? I mean, yeah, exactly. But again, like the Rockets just, they didn't do anything spectacular or weird. Like they did all a lot of the things that we expected them to do in this series, or at least the things that they were going to try and do. And early in the first quarter when it was somewhat of a back-and-forth affair, the Rockets got a lot of open shots that they just straight-up missed. And unfortunately for the Thunder, the Rockets started making those because, I mean, you you point to the three-guard lineup. Billy Donovan, probably the early wrinkle in this series, he takes Dennis Schroeder off the bench fairly early than what we're accustomed to. So the three-point guards got on the floor early on. So you're thinking, okay, Billy Donovan really doesn't, no holds barred now, it's the playoffs throw your best guys out there. Unfortunately for them, Oklahoma with the three-point guards, they combined to shoot 12 of 34 for the entire game. Now, a lot of that is helped by the fact that Chris Paul had a little bit of a mini run at the very end of the game to make things look a little bit respectable. He finished 7 of 14, but Shea Gilles Alexander, 2 of 8. Dennis Schroeder, 3 of 12. That's just not going to get it done. And 
you can look at numbers. You can look at here and there and see, like, okay, the Thunder had their chances here and there. But if Dennis Schroeder or Shea Gillis-Alexander, or especially a combination of the two, are going to have poor games offensively, the Thunder are going to get run in this series just because they don't have the firepower to match Houston, even on maybe even an average night. And I'll just say this. This might be a little bit of a hot take, but Jerry, I know you'll probably appreciate this because of the long talks that we've had about Shea Gillis-Alexander, but... Am I crazy, or was that Shea Gillis Alexander out there, or was that Victor Oladipo from 2016-17 against the Rockets? Because they looked fairly similar in that they just, I, there were times I forgot they were on the floor. I want to say it was the third quarter, and it might have been late in the second quarter, but three straight possessions. And here's what I see from uh, SGA. And yes, I've had my issues with SGA, SGA throughout the season. When he plays well, I say he plays well. But today was a day that I, I, I feared for Thunder fans that would would happen and here's in the three straight possessions he sort of doesn't have confidence in his drive he steps back and tries to shoot that um that fadeaway three that he fell in love with it's brick right then on the defensive side he basically gets bullied to the rim by eric gordon who i don't know did you guys forget did, did anybody out there who's listening forget eric gordon is a is a hell of a scorer he can fill it up eric did, eric gordon played like he did 2 years ago he's been very average all season long and today he just he lit it up but guess what like the thunder like he, all, the thunder allowed it they just did not get in front of him at all whoever was matched he, up on him he looked like Eric Gordon, Brady, and that's kind of my point is SGA. After the sheepish fallaway three, he gets bullied by Eric Gordon, and then on the next play, the Thunder go to SGA again, and he picks up an offensive foul. And you could, you could just see the game just sort of being taken away from him. And, and I get it, guys. It's his second year in the league, right? And there's a lot more on his plate this season than there was last season with L.A. Uh, growing pains, but... Oklahoma City, you're going to need SGA to play well. And and Ryan, uh, and tell me I'm wrong, and I, I don't want to point out, uh, you know, Gilders Alexander in particular, but I'm telling you that is one of the main reasons why Oklahoma City was never in this game. Well, you can't be the future of the franchise and get into the third quarter of a playoff game and only take three shots. Like, I'm sorry. You have to, at some point, say, I don't care how poor of a game this has been for me or my teammates – you have to try and assert yourself. You have to say, this is a seven-game series, potentially, if everything plays out. I've got time, but I need to get into the flow of things. And I think that what's just happened here is, I know we talked a lot about putting SGA in different positions during the seeding games and the scrimmages, and it was out of necessity due to the fact that, you know, Dennis Schroeder's gone for a little bit, Danilo Gallinari misses two games, all this stuff, but... This whole team, and, and I think SGA is just a byproduct of that, looked disjoint because we haven't seen this team for the eight seeding games, for better or worse, play together. Everyone's had to have different roles due to guys being gone. and I mean, that's nobody's fault, but the fact of the matter is this is not a team that looked playoff ready in the Clippers game to the end of the year. I know that that's, you know, everyone's resting, all that stuff, but they didn't look playoff ready against Phoenix, and, and it showed here, I think, in this first game as Houston was a team who, who was just more prepared and more ready to rock, and I think SGA was just the embodiment of that tonight. The Thunder are officially turnover-prone. Like, we, we thought it was, okay, this is a byproduct of not playing for three and a half months during the hiatus, during the scrimmage games, during the first few seeding games, and then as they get further along in the seeding games, some players sit out, so you, you can't 
can't really judge that. But now, tonight they have 13 turnovers. The Rockets got 19 points off those turnovers. They also outscored them in the fast break, 13-2. to The Rockets turned it over seven times. Just every little... As long as you just do this, you give yourself a chance to win stat. The Rockets beat the Thunder to hell tonight. I'm sitting here, and listen, buddy, I'm sitting here going over some of Madison Morris's tweet as she tweets uh, from the Zoom and just sort of kind of taking the, the best one that I can see. And uh, Billy says that uh, the tempo and pace of the Thunder dug them a hole tonight. He said, quote, the first six minutes that uh, was good pace and tempo, and there was a 12-minute stretch after we got slow with no force. Brady, back to you real quick. I'm going to ask you this question, and, and kind of what I got from watching early on, I think that going to Danilo and to Adams early sort of took Paul and SGA just out of rhythm. And, I, you know, that's not an excuse. It's what I saw. And if you're Billy Donovan, you have to depend on Chris Paul at least to be able to get it going, even if you do change up kind of the game plan. I understand where SGA, it just it took forever for him to get going. But I'm sort of disappointed in Chris Paul not being able to get started knowing that the game plan was going to be to, uh, to use the size, Brady. No, you're right. But the weird thing is, is that what you just described, Jerry, shouldn't get Chris Paul out of rhythm because having a slow, methodical half-court offense is what Chris Paul wants to do. So it's odd that he was kind of taken out of rhythm just because of the obvious feeding of Steven Adams and Danilo Gallinari. Now, like I guess logic would say, well, just don't do that for game two. But I, I truly think P.J. Tucker running around like a linebacker early on <laughs> Jeff Green, uh, Daniel House just running all over the place, busting into people. I, th- I don't think the Thunder were prepared for that. I agree with because you. Actually, I agree 100%. Continue, but it, yeah. just know I agree with you 100% on that. Yeah, but like the Rockets understand that they have a size disadvantage going into this, and if they're going to have any chance, they, they cannot allow Stephen Adams to be playable. Now, Stephen Adams played 27 minutes tonight, 7 to 13. That's about, that's pretty where probably where the Thunder want him to be. But he had to work for that 7-13. That wasn't a dominant performance by Steven Adams by any means. But this loss isn't on him. The Rockets really took it to the Thunder early on, and the Thunder were just shell-shocked early on, and they were just never able to recover. You know what, though? And then and I'll get to you in just a second, Ryan, because I have a question about toughness real quick. But I think we talked about this for a long time early on in the Thunder. They had a lot of things going for them, and they traded away that one piece that they forever regret and just look at Jeff Green's numbers, and that'll tell you exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about here. Holy crap! Uh, Ryan, where, the, where did Jeff Green come from tonight? 22 points on 8 of 12 shooting, 6 rebounds. Listen, Uncle Jeff doing what he did. P.J. Tucker, I love the way that Brady said he's running around like a linebacker, was probably the toughest guy on the court. Those two guys set a tone that I think just absolutely shook the thunder. Look, am I crazy for thinking this would have been better for Oklahoma City if Russell Westbrook was on the floor tonight? Because here's where I'm coming from with this. The defensive coverages, it looked like the thunder were so in their heads about knowing that James Harden was going to be even more of a focal point than usual that early on there were wide open looks from House, uh, Jeff Green, even Ben McLemore kind of was just left alone. And it was almost like two or three guys were so worried about covering Harden that 
they forgot they just have to play team defense and run everyone off the three-point line. Like, am I crazy in thinking that? Because the number of, like you said, Brady, earlier, just open looks that Houston missed in that first five minutes, this game could have been done and dusted very, very early, uh, much earlier than we thought. But kind of going back to what you said, Brady, though, about Chris Paul, this is what I was most shocked about and when I truly thought OKC could be in trouble. Um, What you have to do against this Rockets team is if you're behind or you're ahead when the Rockets are going on one of these runs, you have to have the discipline to know, look, we just have to run our offense. If if working it down low and getting an easy two is what's best for us on that possession, we have to be okay with trading the three for the two on that instance and make it a 15-6 run instead of a 15-0 run. And I thought Chris Paul was going to be great at this. Early in the second quarter, I just remember Chris Paul coming right down the floor and pulling up and taking a very bad three, bricking it off the front iron, thinking, oh no, if Chris Paul is even getting jittery and starting to four shots up, what's that going to do for SGA, for Dennis, for all the guys that he's supposed to be that calming force for? And I just think that um, that's a mental toughness thing, I think, that maybe uh, Oklahoma City just didn't take that first punch very well tonight. You know, Brady, go ahead and piggyback off of what Ryan asked you. And then after you're done, let's go ahead and do our player of the game. Oh, that's going to be fun. <laughs> no, like, the thing about Chris Paul is, is he good enough to run an offense, be an ISO high usage guy and get you buckets? Yes. The problem is you need to pick your spots with that. Not just beca- not simply because he's a little bit long in the tooth. He just turned 35 during the, the uh, suspension of the season. But just because he's got a lot of wear and tear on his body. He's been in this league for a long time. He's played in a lot of playoff games. He played 37 minutes tonight. Like I said, he finished 7-14. A lot of that came off those last three shots he hit in the fourth quarter when the Thunder were down 20-plus. So pretty trash, meaningless shots at the end of the day. But you don't want Chris Paul, like you said, Ryan, jacking up threes, pull-up jumpers in transition early on because, oh my gosh, Shea doesn't have it. Dennis is off. Danilo Gallinari is off. We can't get Stephen Adams' consistent looks. Oh my gosh, Hamadou Diallo just airballed a corner three. <laughs> like, I've got to do that. If Chris Paul feels like he has to run ISO in the first half, the Thunder are probably losing. And they're, and if they have to consistently do that, the Thunder are going to lose this series fairly quickly. But again, it's not like LaMarcus Aldridge dropped 40 on them in, the, in game one, like we saw in 2016 in the Western Conference semis. Game ones happen. Milwaukee lost today to Orlando. It's not the end of the world, Thunder fans. All right, John Hamm's going to join us in the next segment. But right now, let's go ahead and take care of some business. Now, the Franchise Thunder Player of the Game by Volkswagen of Edmond. We have all done enough post games where we are prepared for this. Unlike Shea uh, Gilders-Alexander, I will be able to perform in this spot and uh, have zero problems with it. So, uh, Ryan, I'll go ahead and start with you. And I believe we, and Brady, we talked about this a ton of times throughout the years. We have to pick a Thunder player, correct? I, th- I think we are contractually obligated to do so. Okay. How, how about it? I'm going to pick Steven Adams here because I think Steven Adams went out there and did exactly what he needed to do for the Thunder to be successful. Like Brady said, um, 27 and a half minutes, he was 7 of 13. That's 53%-ish. Really efficient. Racked up 12 boards. Was really nice on the defensive glass, but, but those four offensive rebounds, I think that's one of the keys for Oklahoma City in this series is they need to be good on the offensive glass. So I'm going to go ahead and roll with uh, Steven Adams because his 17 points in 27 and a half minutes, that's what you want out of him. I I think it's the guys around him that let him down tonight. Brady, I'm going to challenge myself and let you go next. 
Well, I mean, if we have to pick somebody new every time, um, I guess I'll go Darius Baisley. <laughs> I mean, when he had his opportunities, he made them count. Uh, and I'm already not looking forward to the next few days where Thunder fans are like, hey, Darius Baisley was 3 of 4 from the three-point line. If the Thunder can clean, shore up their defense and hustle a little bit more, Darius is going to keep bringing that. Hey, Darius has been good the last few games, especially um, as we got clo- further along in the seeding games, but he is liable to throw up an 0 for 7 clunker from the three-point line. So 3 of 4 from the three-point line, 3 of 5 overall, 9 points. Nine rebounds. Nice little first playoff game for Darius Baisley. Unfortunately, a lot of those points and stats were meaningless. Guys, you know who's second in rebounding on the Thunder was today? That's right. Chris Paul. Uh, One assist from a triple-double. <laughs> that's right. Nine assists and 20 points. Chris Paul almost had a triple-double. Completely, like, forgettable. No one's going to talk about that. At zero people are going to bring that up tomorrow. Chris Paul had a hell of a game. You just couldn't tell because it just seemed like every single shot that he shot seemed to be so important because the Thunder were always down. And, you know, one, you know, some weren't going in. I understand some of those points were garbage points, and that's fine. But Chris Paul, like I said, almost a triple-double. No one's going to talk about it because he looked so bad so early. So there you go. There's your players of the game. That's Brady. Uh, that is Ryan. John Hamm will join us when we get back. Also, we'll take a look around the association. If you haven't been paying attention, there's a number one seed that's in trouble. We'll tell you about the Oklahoma City Thunder First Take Thunder postgame show. Presented by TotallyTickets.com on 107.7 The Franchise and 107.9 The Franchise Tulsa. This is the Thunder First Take postgame show. I am Ryan Chapman. We have John Hamm. We have Jerry Ramsey. We have Brady Trantham all on standby. But we're going to go around the association just real quickly with some different music in the background because, you know, postgame fun. All right, first game of the day. The one seed in the East, the Milwaukee Bucks, falls the Orlando Magic 110 to 122. That is the big shocker of the day going into game two, the Heat. Outlast the Pacers 113 to 101. Of course, the game we're here to talk about the Rockets take out the Thunder 123 to 108. And early on, alert the presses Portland Trailblazers 13, Lakers 7. Jerry, how'd that make you feel? It's over. I mean, it's game time. What time is it? 826. Uh, and according to my clock, and I think they usually work on Pacific time, but it's definitely game time right now. So. Uh, okay, first of all, first of all, I just I want to say that I tried to say the incomparable John Ham on Twitter, and let's go ahead and bring him up on the Little Caesars Hot and Ready Hotline. Incomparable means that you don't do your job well, right? Is I, I don't know if I use the right words. <laughs> no, that that's exactly right. If you if you're looking for a good description of me, I do not do my job well. <laughs> no, I do not do many things well. I also, much like the Thunder, don't uh, do not do offense very well. No, John, just say draconian again. Remember the whole thing with Jerry? Oh, God, bless. That was terrible. Oh, man, uh, Jerry went cattywampus when I made that word. I'm just telling you. John, uh, I'm going to start it like this. And you and I have been doing this a long time. And, uh, you know, I just, I just I want to bring this up really quick. And I have to remind Thunder fans, we're not even supposed to be here. and we were all talking ourselves into the Thunder having an advantage with no Russell Westbrook and what have you. Uh, All that swimming around in your head, are you disappointed? Or, I mean, it's game one? Tell me kind of where you're coming from. 
I, it, look, some of this is sure it's game one and you don't want to overreact and draw grand conclusions just yet. Um, but a couple of things concern me, Jerry. One is, I, I mean, the offense was just unrecognizable. And if you watch the, uh, the TNT feed, you know, Stan Van Gundy did a great job of, you know, explaining just how, you know, this is a team that we talked about that would swing the ball around and find the open guy, pass up good shots for great shots, all of that stuff. And it just turned into, okay, well, I guess I better shoot the ball now. There's, you know, five seconds on the shot clock. Um, so there's that. But then, two, I mean, just some of them, I don't know if it's just the barrage of Houston threes, but at a certain point, I mean, the team just almost looked defeated. And that's what I'm, I'm a little more concerned about that, the body language, and how are they going to respond after getting hit in the mouth here in game one. John, what are you seeing out of Shea Gills Alexander? Because going back into the seeding games, a lot of the judgments were just, well, he's rarely had to run the offense himself. He only had to really do it one time when Chris Paul sat out that game against Dallas back during the regular season. So once Dennis Schroeder comes back, it's probably going to go a lot, go a lot of the same of what we're accustomed to. But I'm seeing a player in SGA who's just he looks unsure of himself the closer he gets to the rim. And when he's actually getting to the rim, he's not finishing at the rate that we have seen him do at this, uh, during the regular season. So what exactly are you seeing at SGA? You know, a lot of that is something like we saw at the beginning of the season. Now, for people that don't recall, the beginning of the season was last October, right? It's been a while. But, you know, early in the year, uh, we, we saw some of that. And, you know, OKC was putting the ball in his hands you know, uh, especially if, if the game got tight, I think largely as a player development sort of thing, and, and he was not comfortable with that. And, yeah, I sort of had the expectation as well, okay, you bring Schroeder in, you take that responsibility off, he can kind of go back to um, you know, being the off-the-ball scorer. But, you know, look, it doesn't help that Dennis Schroeder, did, he had an awful game too. So, you know, I, I don't know uh, if those things necessarily go hand-in-hand, hand, but there's, there's a lot of tentativeness in SGA that, that we've seen here in the bubble that while we've seen a lot of other players sort of take off, uh, we have not seen that from SGA yet. All right, so here's your chance to do it. I'm going to give you every chance in the world. Lou Dort obviously didn't play game one either. Uh, Russell Westbrook didn't play. Is there any chance in the world that the Oklahoma City Thunder missed Lou Dort more than Houston missed Russell Westbrook? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. you know, so, I mean, th- that has been a topic of discussion. Uh, my first initial reaction to that was, look, and no one could replicate what Russ does for Houston. Yeah, it, it gets another shooter on the floor, and obviously today that was beneficial for them. Um, but the way that Russ can just break down the defense, especially after Hard brings the ball across, you know, across, across half court, gets it to Russ, um, and if Russ is playing within himself, you know, that's just something they can't replicate. Whereas OKC has, you know, a bunch of long, lengthy wing defenders that they can try. Um, I think we find that yes, they miss Lou Dort, but I mean, more than that, they miss their offense. I mean, Dort certainly would have helped. Uh, maybe James Harden would have got, you know. 37 points on 26 shots instead, maybe something like that. But, I mean, again, I just I just saw an offense that was just not into it tonight. And, John, this might be a little corny, but, I mean, assuming that the Thunder are going to make adjustments now, whether or not that those are actually, like, player here, like, playing more, playing less, I, I don't know. But I think something as simple as the Thunder just at least matching the intensity that Houston brought to the table in the first quarter, because to me it seemed like they were shocked to see another opposing team hustle and get to a spot on the floor before them. Do you think if the Thunder are able to at least clean that part of the game up, 
do you think that they can have a chance to not only just rebound in game two and have a better performance, but possibly take that game, even if Russell Westbrook is able to come back and play? That would go a long way. I mean, that, that's one of several things, and I think you, I think you definitely need to start there. Uh, I feel like some of the game plan was was fair, pretty sound, and not just because Jerry and I talked about it, but getting Adams and Gallinari involved, it made sense. Now, on the other hand, James Harden, I think, is happy if he's being a post defender. If you don't have to make him make decisions in space, you know, this is probably the the best outcome for him, so that way he can actually be more effective on offense. I wonder if you do something else there. Um, I, I think we need to figure out the Hamadou Diallo thing. Hami is sort of that unstable element. You know, sometimes you get something really cool, and other times it's just kind of, you know, uh, just kind of befuddling. And that's, that's what I'm seeing out of Hami right now. And in this series, I think Houston is going to be more than happy if Hami shoots four three-pointers. I think they're willing to play those odds. Is Billy going to have to make an adjustment and go to Abdul Nader instead? You know, there's still some things that can play out here. Uh, I'm going to read this. From, by the way, we're joined by John Hamm on the Little Caesars Hot and Ready Hotline, John Hamm Dream Team Podcast, uh, and, of course, uh, Franchise Thunder Insider Extraordinaire, which I can't spell either. Um, Billy Donovan says, uh, this is straight from Madison Morris's Twitter, uh, Billy Donovan says that he wanted to see Andre Robertson play against James Harden because he's played against him in tough situations, quote, I thought all the guys worked hard on him, and I think collectively as a team we need to be better. Do you see like do you see Andre continuing to be a guy that Billy's going to use or did you see something that maybe maybe Andre doesn't need to be on the floor that much like what are your thoughts on on how Billy needs to use Andre going forward Well look with again with the Dort out of the lineup you know again if you're going to take the kitchen sink approach and, and go at Harden it makes some sense Robertson only played 3 minutes and I think part of that is because he just, he wasn't good um, he got blown by by James Harden on, on one possession. He should have actually picked up another foul for, you know, he, he would have fouled Harden. I think he fouled him on another three point attempt, right? Or am I mixing those up? Um, but yeah, it's, he, he was, he wasn't good. And so when you look at the rotations and kind of what adjustments need to be made, that's where, you know, I think OKC, I think they can game plan enough for Harden and just make it challenging for him on the offensive end. You're not going to shut him down. They just need to find a way to make it challenging. I think they can do that without having to lean on Robertson, and, and I think they're going to have to you know, lean a little bit more on the offensive side on this thing. John, the Thunder have just turned into, overnight, a turnover machine on offense. Um, we kind of like brushed it off during the scrimmages. We brushed off a little bit during the scene games, a handful of games where starters didn't play. So you don't really want to make rash judgments, but... 12 turnovers tonight. The Rockets get 19 points off turnovers. I mean, what exactly has happened to this offense? Yeah, and and that's the thing. Maybe, you know, just the way that Houston was just so active. You know, you talked about it, Brady, just as, as aggressive as they were. The way that they are able to, you know, switch and you got another guy on you so quickly. Um, it's just a lot of things that the offense was, was really good at creating opportunities. The Houston is doing a great job of closing those off. So, you know, I, I think that's part of it. But, yeah, again, being more aggressive, they need a lot more from Shea Gilgis-Alexander. You know, I, I talked earlier today, you know, uh, about this series. And uh, basically the, the question was, if a player from OKC – Averages more than they did in the regular season. Who would it be? You know, if that's going to help them win. And I thought it was Shea. I thought Shea needed to take that extra step. And eight shots and, and nine points is not going to be nearly enough. 
talking to John Hamm on the Little Caesars Hot and Ready Hotline. I don't want to turn this into a... You know, Brady asking you, then me asking you, taking turns. I really, right now, let me give you a couple seconds here to to really, going forward, uh, not maybe just game two, but going forward, uh, do you see the Oklahoma City Thunder being able to implement anything that you saw today that might help them not only be competitive, but maybe get something out of this thing? Yeah, I, I, I don't think that, you know, all hope is lost. Yes, I mean, Houston was explosive, but I mean, again, uh, you know, great game by Jeff Green. Is he going to have 22 points on 12 shots again? I, I'm willing to take those odds, just like Houston's willing to let Hami take a bunch of threes, right? Um, Eric Gordon has been hit and miss during the season. You know, we'll see if he holds up what he's doing. Robert Covington wasn't really good on the offensive end, but I thought he made some really good defensive plays. Look, I, I think, um, you know, the one thing that we know about Billy Donovan is, you know, he, he will go back and adjust. OKC has shown in the past, you know, especially the past couple of years, they've come out a little flat in a series. Maybe that doesn't, you know, historically bode well, but, you know, I, I feel confident that Billy's going to go back and find a few things and, and, and hopefully come out with a few other things straightened out in game two moving forward. Can't believe we're already calling for Abdul Nader to take away Hamadou Diallo's minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought we'd be two or I three mean, games into the series for that to happen. Yeah, and I mean, look, Ferguson, I mean, got the got 15 minutes. Yeah, he hit a couple of threes, but I think we know by now, I mean, this season what Ferguson can offer you, right? So, I mean, that's another thing along the way. If, if Lou Dort is able to go, there goes Terrence Ferguson's minutes. Maybe that's going to help as well. Again, I think there's I, I think there's a few other options in the bag there. Uh, real quick, John, I want to throw this at you. Uh, it looks like Portland right now has a steady lead on the Lakers. Obviously, we saw Orlando beat Milwaukee. Uh I said all year long how garbage it is that Giannis and uh, LeBron have such an edge on James Harden and MVP. I mean, right here is where the proof's in the pudding. It's playoff time, right? What did Giannis do today? What's LeBron doing right now? And there's Harden just shorthanded taking this team to a win. Will you agree with me that it shouldn't be that far between Giannis, LeBron, and Harden, and Harden should actually get some first-place votes? Oh, I mean, he probably will. I mean, so much of this, as we know, the MVP is narrative-based, right? And when you've got Milwaukee doing what they did in the Eastern Conference and then LeBron sort of, you know, uh, quote-unquote, resurrecting this Lakers franchise, you know, uh, those guys, the, the narrative is going to be behind them, whereas Houston is doing the stuff that they've been doing for a few years, right? Harden hadn't really, I don't know, stood out above and beyond, right, to, to really grab a lot of attention. And then Houston, I mean, they, they finished fourth, but they were, you know, kind of floundering in the standings heading into the bubble. So um, I imagine he will get some votes, but again, the narrative, the story, that just wasn't in Harden's favor this year, and that's why I expect him to come in third in the MVP. Brady got one last one for John Hamm before we let him go. Oh, boy. Where where to start? Where to start? Oh, my key to the game earlier was Terrence Ferguson can't play more than 15 minutes. Guess what? He played 15 minutes and 23 seconds. I want Lou Dort back. (laughs) I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if this is mean. I'm sorry if this is insensitive because I truly don't mean this in a personal way. I'm just simply tired of watching Terrence Ferguson play basketball. Well, I mean, again, he has had, obviously, off the court, we know the number of things. I mean, just one thing after another that he's dealt with, you know, throughout the throughout the season. And he's there's just a body of work that says he hasn't been good. He just hasn't been good. And, again, I understand with the injury to Dort, you know, you do something else. But frankly, I mean, we talk about adjustments here. 
if Dort can't go in game two, maybe you got to start the three-guard lineup right off the bat. And maybe you need to try to keep those guys on the court as much as possible because that is OKC's best lineup, and maybe Billy needs to lean into that too. All right, John. Uh, great stuff. Looking forward to talking to you in game two. All right. Take care, guys. All right. John Hamm joining us on the Little Caesars Hot and Ready Hotline. It's amazing how much we can talk about a game that was an absolute blowout. If you're you're just listening right now, the Oklahoma City Thunder embarrassed by the Houston Rockets. That's right. Uh, was it one twenty three to? I don't have it in front of me. One hundred eight. One twenty three. Thank you very much. One twenty three to one hundred eight. It can be done, Jerry. A long, long time ago, Ryan Chapman, Matt Burton, Madison Morris, and I we did a post game show for a Milwaukee Bucks game oh. against the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Thunder lost by 47 that night, and wouldn't you know it, Matt Burton's not here. He's with us in spirit, but Madison Morris just walked into the studio. Hello. Goodness gracious. Hold on. Hello, Stop hello. the presses. I know. Stop the she's, presses. She's got a bunch of Zoom scrum all over her. Yeah, I know. Still Did you not even, Zoom. Do you not even wash off your Zoom scrum before you got on? Heck no. It's more authentic just to hop on the radio with fresh Zoom scrum. 1077 The Franchise, that is Madison Morris, Brady Trantham, Ryan Chapman. When we get back, Madison Morris joins the fray, uh, and she will tell us everything that Billy, Danilo, and Chris had to say about this embarrassing loss. You're listening to the, what, what is this thing, what do we call this thing? The Thunder First Take Post Game <laughs> Show, or something like that. Is he slapping his head when he's saying There's that? hyphens in between each word I just said, by the way. <laughs> Alright, so we'll have all back to the Oklahoma City Thunder first take Thunder postgame show presented by TotallyTickets.com on 1077 the franchise and 1079 the franchise Tulsa. Playoff basketball is back in Oklahoma City, and I think everyone is uh, sad it's here and is just ready for Thursday as the Thunder fall to the Houston Rockets 123 to 108 in game one. No Russell Westbrook, no problem for the Rockets as the Thunder miss Lou Dort. Now, Brady Trantham, John Hamm, Jerry Ramsey, and I, Ryan Chapman, have been talking about this game ad nauseum for the last about 40-ish minutes. But we have one superstar who was on the Zoom call. That is right, our own Madison Morris has just left the Zoom and is coming on in here. Madison, first off, I want to know what Chris Paul had to say because he's the leader of this team, he's the veteran, he's the guy that's here to, to bring these young guys along. So so what did Chris yeah. Paul have to say immediately in the post game about responding from this loss? Yeah, you know, honestly, he seemed a lot more optimistic than, you know, obviously he had some raw emotions come out in the game. I think he, was it him that got hit with the tech, like right before halftime? Like he just, you know, you, you saw it. You saw the tension kind of in the way that he was playing. You saw uh, how he kind of had that panic mentality right there at the end. He was hitting a couple of threes, feeling really good, kind of taking matters into his own hands. Um, yeah, I don't know. I kind of anticipated him getting on that Zoom and just being like, ah, like that was just terrible. Like we have so much work to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, he came off a lot more optimistic because he talked a lot about the same thing Billy and Gallo talked about before, which was just, you know, no defensive pressure that the Thunder applied. They really got to work on that. Uh, They talked a lot about, you know, just keep encouraging these young guys, keep telling these these guys to take their shots and just keep, uh, you know, pushing that out there. Because the second you let up on that, they're going to feel like they can't do that anymore. And it just it kind of showed out there. It was just a lot of uh, not so great communication. That's been their big thing all year. 
year long. And so he just he spoke a lot on that and just said, listen, this is game one. The Houston Rockets, they play like or they play unlike any other team in the league right now. They switched a lot of stuff up. And so they're taking a lot from this game. They're going to apply it to game two on Thursday. And he just basically said, you know, we're going to keep our heads up. We're just going to keep pushing forward. Oh, that's true. And I expect somebody like Chris Paul, the leader that he is, to basically call it like it is and say something like that. Having said that, the Thunder didn't lose this game because they were like shocked that the Rockets didn't have a center. Right. The Thunder lost this game in part because they just got out hustled yeah. so hard in the first quarter. And then early on in the second quarter, when it was still somewhat a competitive game, and even though the Rockets were able to get up 20, and then the Thunder were able to claw it down to about 11 or 10, I think I think in the first half they got it down to 11 twice, and then the Rockets would go on a 7-0-8-0 run. Right. I think the Thunder were just absolutely taken aback by the fact that the Rockets were just running faster than them. And this is a very little part of this. It's a very little piece of the equation. Lou Dort coming back is going to help because Lou Dort is a try-hard player. He's fast. He's physical. He's going to help the overall hustle of the game. He's going to help set the tone defensively for Oklahoma City when he's able to come back. At the same time, the Rockets are probably going to get Russell Westbrook back. But I know everybody's already saying, let's cut Hamadou Diallo's minutes. But the only other player on this team that is a hustle guy, that is a try-hard guy, and that has the athleticism to back it up is Hamadou Diallo. So if the Rockets are going to keep doing this, Hami's going to have to play. Shea's not fast enough. Chris Paul's too old. Danilo's too slow. Dennis Schroeder does try hard, but he's too small. Hami's going to have to play. Lou Dort's going to have to play. And the Thunder, as a team, are just going to have to understand, hey, the Rockets are going to try and play us like this is a football game in the first quarter to make up for the size advantage, disadvantage that they have. And they have to be better prepared for it. Otherwise, it's going to go the same way about every single time as long as this is able to keep up for Houston. And Brady, I love that you hone in on that because this is the conversation we had as we were watching the game together. It almost seemed like P.J. Tucker came out and said, it is not my job in this series to be my normal self, to, to sit there in the corner and drain threes. That's not all that I'm going to do. I have to be the one that is the physical point of attack for the Rockets' defense. I have to be the one to body up Steven Adams or Danilo Gallinari. Madison, did, did Billy Donovan comment on that at all? Were, were they taken aback by the physicality? Because it, it looked like they were taken aback by the speed and, and just the, the ferocity and there's there was no hesitation in how the Houston Rockets played tonight. They had a game plan, right. they executed it to perfection. Was there any sense that they were taken aback with the physicality? Because I know that yes, the Rockets play differently. Yes, all that, but this is not what you expect out of the Rockets team when you think small ball. Yeah, pretty much because what Billy alluded to all week before. I, I mean, it's Tuesday, but uh, every time that we got to hear from Billy before this first game. All he said was that whole identity of small ball in the Houston Rockets lineup, like get rid of that. That's not going to be the thing because they make up with it or they make up for it with all of their strength and their physicality and just the way that those guys can guard in the pain. They can really uh, put a lot of pressure on guys, even like Steven Adams and guys who are pushing seven feet tall. Like it doesn't matter. They have so much agility out there and it shows. And so, yeah, Billy Donovan talked a lot about that in his post game saying, 
basically the pace of the Thunder was what destroyed them. It wasn't the Thunder, it wasn't the Rockets knocking down their three pointers. It wasn't the Rockets uh, pretty much owning the paint and really just uh, putting a lot of pressure on that end of the ball. It was all the physicality and the way that they were able to just basically dominate on the defensive end. And so, yeah, it just it really seemed to throw the Thunder uh, for a loop out there tonight. I mean, what 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 is it? What is it about the pace? Are they shocked that instead of them having a seven foot center burling down the down the floor and out hustling them, they're just like, oh my god, that's wings and guards. I like, don't of know. course that's what that's what if Houston's going to win this series, it's going to be it's not going to be because James Harden scores forty five points tonight. It's not going to be because Russell Westbrook gets a triple double. That will make it worse. Yeah. And the Thunder are going to do everything that they can to make sure that those two things don't happen. But if Houston's going to win this series, it's going to be because they play like they did in the first half tonight, and Oklahoma City does nothing to stop it. I, I am, I'm shocked that the team that we applauded and praised all season long for doing all the little things right, it, it wasn't even like Houston was keeping them from doing it. It was like the Thunder just didn't care enough. Like I know that that's silly. I know the Thunder wanted to win this game. I know Chris Paul's like, this is a feel-out game. It's a seven-game series. I get all that. But Oklahoma City did little to counter Houston just busting their ass. Yeah. And that's to me that's a little disappointing. No, right. I completely agree because when Chris Paul he got into his post game availability and was like, Listen, it's game one. We have a long series ahead of us. We got this. And I'm like, okay, but if you're approaching the first matchup against a team like Houston, be shorthanded or not, like no Russell Westbrook, who cares? They're still a great team. Did you see where majority of their power and their strength came from? It came from their second unit and their bench players because James Harden was on the bench for a little bit and they were still making a massive run over Oklahoma City with guys like Dennis and Chris and Steven out there. Like These were OKC's starting guys. So, yeah, I mean, I share in the frustration of just like, You can't really approach something like that because the pace of the game was set by Houston very early on, and Oklahoma City was never able to match it. Uh, Big Jed seventy five on Twitter actually brought up a good little point that I we've kind of forgotten, but it kind of plays into what Houston was able to do. Uh, Big Jed seventy five says the physicality. All I saw was uh, cheap uh, cheap ass foul to cheap ass foul. Even the commentators were trying to say without saying. At the beginning of the game, it was like the officials were like, not only is this the playoffs, but this is the NFL. Because they allowed the physicality to play. And that's yeah. my that was my problem with Oklahoma City, was they didn't adjust to the officiating. I get so upset when fans just clamor about officiating. There are times where it's obviously it's obviously terrible. But if the officials are going to call a game a certain way, then it's on you to adjust to it. Houston went out of their way to play physical. And the refs allowed them to. Oklahoma City just kind of kept playing like, oh, at some point they'll get called for fouls, and those that never happened. Now, Game Two's officiating crew might be completely different, and they might call Houston for a lot of those fouls. I thought P.J. Tucker was playing not just physical. I thought he was playing overly reckless in the f- opening minutes of the first quarter. Maybe he gets in foul trouble in Game 2 in the first quarter, and it's a completely different b- ball game. But Oklahoma City has to do a better job of adjusting to game-time situations, and that includes officiating. And here's the deal. Here's what happened tonight. In the bubble, obviously there is no home court advantage. You're not worried about just stealing one of the first two, stuff like that. But in this series, both teams needed to treat Game 1 and possibly Game 2 like a road game to start a series because OKC came into the game knowing that there was no Russell Westbrook But Houston did too. And you have to know that Houston was in that locker room and said, look, we have one game without Russell, maybe two. These are our, quote, 
two road games to start off a series. We go out tonight, or we go out Thursday night, and we steal one of these two, and the Rockets are going to come back feeling like they've stolen one on the road and have home court advantage. You know what I mean? And what we saw, Brady, it was exactly that. Houston came out and basically played with the attitude of, we are playing with house money. We are going to play so physical and so fast that we are going to force the referees to put two fouls on all of our wings in the first five minutes of the game, knowing that in the playoffs, the referees are probably going to go against that. Now, I know we saw Brazingis pick up the double technically, all that stuff last night, but for the most part in the playoffs, the referees are going to want to step back and let the players decide the game. That is 100% on the thunder. It took one possession to see what kind of intensity and what kind of physicality Houston was coming out with, and they refused to adjust, and I don't know what they need to do. I don't know if it is as simple as instead of trying to get Gallinari and Adams in a flow early, feed Schroeder and SGA right off the jump and, and hope that Gallo and Adams are more experienced in the playoffs and can do that themselves later on in the game. But Madison, I don't know what it takes for Oklahoma City to fix it, but they have to have a whole new mental approach, I feel like, for game two. Well, no, I agree with both of you guys on that. Like, I, I'm i not trying to like call people out when I say this, but... No, call them out. I will. So, fans of this game, if you're looking at this and saying, it was the officiating, like, the Rockets aren't even that good, they're not that strong, they're not using that much physicality. Yes, they are. And, like, I'm sorry, but the officiating, you can't, you can maybe get mad at it if it's like a one to five point difference at the end of the game. That's not the case for this one. I really just don't think Oklahoma City was there for it. And so, yeah, I agree with you guys. It's up to them to really adjust to that because, I don't know, we we got to watch a little bit of these games yesterday. Obviously, the officiating has been like on everyone's mind, but just get over that. Like, this is just part of it. This is part of playoff basketball. It's competitive and it's insane. So, you just you just got to play. This is the silliest analogy I've ever I've ever made on the radio because it's so obscure. But this game reminded me of how it started. I can't believe I'm about to say this. Like the 2008 Fiesta Bowl when OU played West Virginia. On the first play, offensive play for OU, Sam Bradford got sacked. And it was like at that moment, you knew. And OU went on and got smacked by a bad West Virginia team. I didn't think the Thunder were going to lose even after the first few minutes, but it really did set the tone and didn't give me that much uh, optimism going forward with how this game was going to go. And it ended up being right. The Thunder got smacked. Yeah. And they have to regroup and try not hustle or at least match the intensity of Houston. And if they're going to continue to allow them to play football, then Steven Adams, go out there and tackle somebody and force them to call you for a Tackle them. I would love to see a good tackle. Box out those cows. Was that a, the Pat White West Virginia team? Yeah, yeah, I'll take that back. West Virginia should have gone to the national title. Uh, they lost to Pittsburgh, a bad Pittsburgh team on a bad night. If they had won that game, they go to the national title and probably beat Ohio State because Ohio State sucked. Uh, but having said that, OU had no business getting run like they did. I'll just say that. Bring it back to the Thunder. I mean, look, my deal with the officiating tonight was, yes, in a James Harden, in a game where James Harden's involved, there's going to be some weird stuff that goes on. But there were that, it almost seemed like, immediately in like five possessions on the defensive end for the Rockets, James Harden was the recipient of two of those fouls that usually you kind of go, uh, that wasn't really anything other than some offensive-initiated contact. Like, Harden was on the, the wrong end of two or three of those. He didn't get one or two calls. I remember in the first half, Andre Robertson stepped into him in what I thought was a clear foul, that it was let go. And to me, I don't know how, as I don't know if it's a coaching staff or Chris Paul almost doesn't go up to the guys and say, look, Andre Robertson just did the unthinkable. 
He got in James Harden's face, and the officials let it go, and they let it play. From that moment forward, you have to feel around and and adjust and figure out what's going to be permissible in this game because it's a playoff game. You don't have 81 other games just to say, oh, well, you know, the officials didn't call it the way we wanted it to go that night. Fine, whatever. You know what I mean? boo-hoo. Like, boo-hoo. That's all I had to say, Ryan. I didn't mean to cut you off. Absolutely. But I just wanted to boo-hoo that statement. Because okay. I hate the whole, like, I really just hate the whole blaming the officials thing. That's that's crap. Trust me, I'm a Miami Heat fan. I'm still sick and tired of people saying, the Miami Heat, get, get, the Mavericks <laughs> got screwed. Dwayne Wade only did was shoot free throws. Well, Dallas should have adjusted. Don't put yourself in that situation. Especially Dallas fans, and I know some of you are listening. Especially when, I mean, just remember the Thunder when they played them in the West Conference Finals? What was it? Dirk shot like 25 free throws and hit all of them. 25? <laughs> I complain about free, th- free throws in a final? Like, lose me. No. All right, real quick, guys. We're going to switch gears before we get some final thoughts and get out of here. One more time around the association, let's cover every single playoff game from the first round. Now, a franchise NBA playoff scoreboard update presented by Bank 7. Shout out, Bank 7. But here we go. Yesterday, Nuggets 135, Utah Jazz 125 in that absolute shootout. Mitchell and Murray going at it, but Murray hit the NOS last. Shout out to those of you who follow me on Twitter. In the second game of the day, the Raptors beat the Nets 134-110. Yawn. The Celtics outlast the 76ers 109-101 as More we yawn. find out that Gordon Hayward's going to be out for about a month. And the Clippers take That's down so the Mavericks 118-110 in the controversial Zinger ejection game today. We have three games that have gone final. The Magic upset the Bucks 122 to 110. Brady Trantham's Miami Heat 113 and Victor Oladipo's Pacers 101. Heat and 5. The Rockets as we said beat the Thunder 123 to 108 and right now with 10:30 left in the second quarter 39-27 Trailblazers lead the Lakers in that first game. Madison Let's go. I know that you are a big mellow person, so I'm going to give you just you know ten seconds here. Gloat about your Trailblazers here for the for the first game. Well, remember, just, Myers Leonard doesn't play for them anymore. I know, I know, I know. No, 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 I will just. This is all I'm going to say is that foul that they just called on Mellow on Kuzma. That was crap. And I know I just complained about the officials. Don't so complain about the officiating, Madison. I'm just saying that was crap. But that's all I got. I'm say. ashamed of myself for saying Kyle Kuzma could be a, a potential good third scorer for the Lakers because I I liked what I saw early on in the bubble with him. Oh my, has that just aged like milk? Awful. <laughs> oh, the no. Lakers can't shoot threes, and I know everyone's like penciling them in for the finals, and they may very well make it there. I don't know if they're going to win it because you have to shoot the three ball well, and I think the last 15 champions have been top 10 three-point shooters, um, um, three-point shooting teams. The Lakers do not sniff the top 10 in three-point shooting. So, LeBron, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a hard road. The toughest Buckle road. Up. Man, those those Toon Squad jerseys are trash. Bad. Those I'm, are really bad. I'm telling you, LeBron needs to go zero dark 30 or, or Lakers going to be in trouble here. Okay, Madison, real quick. We've just got a little bit of time left. Yes. What do you need to see out of this Thunder team? What's the one thing... You want Billy Donovan and Chris Paul to key in on here for the Thunder. Turn it around and win game two. 
Uh, honestly, there's a lot. I think that they need to start off a lot faster. I didn't really get to see the very beginning of this game because I was still getting home uh, from work today. But I really do think that they need to come out firing. They can't immediately allow Houston to get hot where they get hot best. Like They need to shut that stuff down. They need to shut James Harden down. Who knows if Russell Westbrook's going to be back. That doesn't matter. Whoever's out there, they need to take advantage of it. They need to put defensive pressure on it and uh, really just at least try to match the pace. I know know that we kind of like went off about the pace and everything like that but Billy Donovan does have a good point if you're going to play slow against a team like Houston they're going to trample you and feel no remorse that's exactly what happened so just pick it up I guess I'll just keep repeating myself just out hustle match the intensity and then you set yourself up for success I mean, James Harden is probably going to get his points. If they get Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook back for Game 2, it's going to be a little bit of a tougher sled for the Thunder to at least match the scoring. But I agree with John Hamm what he said earlier. I don't expect Jeff Green to play great again because this is what Jeff Green's done his entire career after he left Oklahoma City. He'll have one good game and then disappear. I don't expect Ben McLemore to have a great game again. I don't expect Eric Gordon to play good again. Maybe not game, maybe game three, game four, but not game two, just because he's been average all year long. Just take care of the little things. Don't turn the ball over. Match the intensity, and you'll set yourself up for success. And if the Thunder find themselves in a one-two possession game at the end of the game, they'll be fine. And just doing my quick maths, hope this isn't wrong, the three guards for Oklahoma City, Chris Paul, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and Dennis Schroeder combined to go 12 of 34 tonight. That has to change. And for me, I'm not ready to say put Dennis Schroeder in the starting lineup. I think that if you were going to be missing Lou Dort and you knew that he was going to potentially miss the entire series, that might be something I'd throw at the wall. But what I want to see in Game 2 is I have confidence in Dennis Schroeder to bounce back. He hasn't been great in the playoffs throughout his career, but he's been around the block enough that I I feel like he can bounce back. I want to see this team get Shea Gilgis-Alexander, get him going early on Tuesday, or Thursday, excuse me. And that way, it's a young guy, second year in the league. His playoff experience last year, he wasn't really relied upon to be a key guy. Make him a priority in Game 2. Get SGA in good positions so that he can get cooking early, because you cannot afford to have that kind of performance again from your three guards in Game 2. And uh, that's even if Russell Crespert comes back, because... Like Brady said, if Russ comes back, it just makes it harder and harder, and the chips are just stacked against the Thunder because they do not have the scoring to just completely straight up outshoot Houston in this series. And now they're behind the eight ball. Houston only has to reproduce this shooting performance three more times. You no longer are saying they have to shoot it for, like that lights out four times. So, not uh, it's not the end of the road by any means. This franchise knows more than anyone. You can go up early in a series, 2016 Western Conference Finals, and it may not matter. You can go down in a series, Western Conference Semifinals, and you're fine. It's a long game, long road ahead. You got six more games potentially to work this out if you need it, but you gotta gotta start better. Hundred percent. Good stuff, Ryan. Heat and five. The Heat and Five. All right. For Jerry Ramsey and John Hamm and Madison Morris and Brady Trantham, I and Ryan Chapman. And Matt Burton. Yes, and Matt Burton. He is not here. Christine Butterfield also contributing on the machine and DP. For every one of your Thunder Mafia, remember, tomorrow at 6 a.m. we do it all again here with Todd and Eddie through your whole lineup. Your normal franchise lineup will have everything for you on Wednesday and 
back on Thursday for Game 2. This has been your first Take Thunder post-game show. Oklahoma City, the sky is not falling. Be well. There's still plenty of time. We'll see you.